0: It says that there is no fear in love. Uh, 1 John 4 18, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Uh, and that's really the, the purpose of fear is to torment us. Uh, and we know, of course, 2 uh, 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 Timothy chapter 1 says that uh, he's not given us a spirit of fear. So fear is a spiritual thing, it comes from the realm of the spirit but it attacks your mind you remember we've been talking about the the warfare of the mind on sunday mornings uh but there's no fear in love so if you live in the perfect love of god and you know that he loves you in a perfect way then there's you're never afraid of things because if even if covid comes to your doorstep well god loves me he'll heal me from this disease so there's no real fear of it amen uh but the world is is driving fear into people's hearts you know and um trying to do all these things about, you know, the masks and, and then all of the social distancing. And, um, you know, the, I was asked, uh, for, for school, do I want a plexiglass shield, you know, when I'm teaching school and I'm thinking, well, you know, it's only two feet wide, you know, it, the virus doesn't like just stop, you know, it just literally just go around it. Right. I mean, air just goes around. It's, it's, it's not really helping anything. Right. Except it does muffle the sound a little bit. Um, but it's just things like that that's because fears are rational. You can't say, well, you know, that doesn't really do anything because then they get mad at you, you know. And and I worked in the filtration business for many years. And I can tell you, you know, all the technical aspects about masks and um, why they really don't do anything. But, you know, it's not a debate or an argument. You know, it just uh, it's a simple technical discussion. I'm not, it's not important for that right now. But uh, but you can't have rational discussions with people because fear is so irrational uh, and. um Uh, there were people screaming in the parking lot last year sometime about social distancing, you know, uh, stay away, you know, because, you know, the virus has got a tape measure and it measures six feet and then it refuses to be effective after six feet. Right. Uh, Well, that's not true at all. Right. And so uh, so there's just there's so much fear in those things. So oh, the thing that we want to do is as the church is to not walk in fear. We can get the information. We can find out what, what the reasonable things we should do. Uh, if we want to do them, to uh, uh, minimize our exposure to to the sickness, uh, but we should never be motivated by fear, uh, and uh, because fear has torment, uh, and it'll torment your soul, it'll it'll attack your mind, it'll drive your body to do things that you know in a normal in a normal world you wouldn't do because but because you're tormented and driven by this fear, um, and so he said uh, fear. Uh, is uh, people that are in fear is, are not made perfect in love. Uh, and so you you can't get to where you need to be with the Lord if you're driven by fear. Uh, and so it's just just something to be aware of, uh, that we don't want to be motivated by fear. Uh, we don't want to operate by fear. We can get the information. Uh, and some people, you know, <clears throat> I know some people, they they will not go to the doctor because they're afraid what they're going to find out. Uh, and I've always thought that was odd because the thing is there whether you go to the doctor or not, right? And so uh, it's already there if it's there. Now, if it's not there, it's not there. I know that's kind of deep and, uh, you know, a lot of revelation right there. But um, if it's not there, then it's not there. But if it is there, then the information shouldn't dr- drive you to be in uh, fear because it's still there. Amen. And so if it be, if it is there and you find out that it's there, then you know you can deal with it. I mean, you can believe God for it, and, and so um, uh, you know you do whatever you you do whatever you need to do in your own life. Understand? Because some people they just they they're so afraid to go to the doctor uh, that they won't go to the doctor. But um, just be careful in your life that that you don't dis- to make decisions based on what you're afraid of or what you might be afraid of. Always base decisions on the love of God. You know, well, if God loves me. That's just information. Right. Uh, It's not bad news. It's not good news. It's just news. Uh, And so uh, is is God love? Same same verse there. Same chapter there in verse eight says God is love. So he it's not what he does. It's who he is. Amen. And does he love us, his people? He does love us, his people. Amen. Uh, And so praise God. Uh, We can walk in love and perfect love casts out fear. So if you're a fearful person get more involved in the love of God and that'll drive it cast it out right it'll drive out that fear out of your life uh, and because the more that you know God loves you the less you're fearful about anything amen uh, and so praise God well let's stand to greetings to the bridge just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship for your presence father that's among us you said in your word father at the time when you were on the earth that the spirit of God is with us and he shall be in us Father, He is now in us, but He is still with us. Father, He's among us. He's in our presence. He's in this building. We Thank You, Father, that He also resides in us. Thank You, Father. We're not only filled with the Spirit, Father, but we reside in the Spirit. Thank You, Father, for the presence of Almighty God. are refreshing, Father, come from the presence of the Lord. Thank you. Father, we thank you that our spirits are refreshed, our minds are refreshed, our bodies are refreshed. Father, you said we could renew our strength, Father, like the eagle. Father, that strength is renewed by the presence of Almighty God. Thank you. Thank you. Guiding us in all truth, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost in our lives, each and every day. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God, is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We thank him for his goodness and kindness, watching over us. He said he would lead us and guide us in all truth. And show us things to come. Amen. If he shows us things to come, then we, there will be some things that he will instruct us to avoid. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't go there. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes he show us things to come, then he'll said, well, go there anyway. Uh, I've had him do that to me on, on occasion. Hey, this is going to be bad. I need you to go anyway. Uh, because somebody's got to be the adult in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, sometimes that's you. Uh, and um, when everybody's acting uh, less than they ought to. Sometimes you've got to send in the troops, amen? And so (laughs) Uh, that's not always the the most fun uh, job to have, but it's necessary, amen? Amen. We thank the Lord for that, amen? Uh, And so we have been talking about the war that's going on in our minds, and specifically um, talking about fainting. Uh, Because fainting is when you've made the decision that you can't pursue the will of God, and you just give it up. Uh, And it's really in that moment is when uh, the failure begins. Uh, And so there's lots of actually, as I was studying this, I didn't realize how much the New Testament said about fainting and the causes for that and and the situations that that occurs in our lives. And so it just seemed good to me to to teach on this subject, uh, because a lot of times we'll we'll press in. We will be in faith. We will be walking the path that the Lord wants us to walk. And there's resistance in that path. There are things that try to persuade us to, to get off that path. And, you know, nine times out of ten, we resist it well. We, we overcome it well. But every now and then, that, that thing gets in our path. And for whatever reason, we, we just give it up. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, then we have to suffer the consequences. God's punishing us. We're the ones who fainted, not God. Uh, And sometimes there's consequences to that. You know, it's not that God's punishing you or that you're condemned or that you're cursed. It's just life. Amen. You do things that uh, are outside the will of God and life happens. And and so uh, our foundation scripture is here in first Peter, chapter two. And it says, verse 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you or I beg you as strangers and pilgrims. Well, where are we strangers and pilgrims? This earth. This is not our home. Amen. We are strangers here. Uh, in other words, you know, we're, we're not native to this earth. Our our citizenry is in heaven uh, and we're pilgrims. It means we're visiting. Amen. We're just here for a short time and then we get to go home. So we are strangers and pilgrims. He said abstain from fleshly lusts or desires uh, which war against the soul. So the desires are going to war against your soul. Uh, amen. Uh, and he said fleshly uh, lusts and of course. Uh, I think a better word to use there is desires because you know, lust tends to have a specific connotation. But lust, uh, desires are really anything that you desire. But it says fleshly. So, so there are desires in the flesh realm. There are desires in the spirit realm. There are desires in the emotional realm, in the mental realm. There's lots of desires. And what you have to choose to do as a child of God is to decide, well, I'm going to follow these desires and I'm not going to follow these desires. You know, a lot of times people will say that the church is, is um, well, you know, you just all the time about what you can't do. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just such a, such a uh, uh, failed uh, argument because it, it's not true at all. There's desires in every realm. And as a child of God, if you will maximize the desires of your spirit, all will be well. But the world says we want, we want to maximize the desires of our flesh, fleshly desires, uh, and follow those. And what happens is you can't do both at the same time, so you're picking and choosing. If you're following the desires of your flesh, you are not following the desires of your spirit. And if you're following the desires of your spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires of your flesh, right? We, we read that in Galatians 5.16, that if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. So... It's 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 a, it's an invalid argument when the world tells you, well, you know, you guys don't ever get to do anything that's any fun. Uh, you know, you should be able to just do whatever you want to do. Uh, and what what we should be doing in the church is training ourselves to discern the source of the desires that come into our lives. So when a desire comes, Lord, is that from you? Or is that, is that just something maybe I want to do? Which is, you know, sometimes it's okay to do what you want to do, right? If you just want to go get a cheeseburger, well, you know, that's okay. There's nothing biblical against that unless you eat cheeseburgers 12 times a day. You know, then maybe, maybe there's a problem there. But, you know, if you just, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, Jared likes cheeseburgers, but he doesn't like them with pickles. And I don't really understand that, you know, but, you know, he's just he he's got, a, he's got a genetic flaw that he doesn't like pickles, you know. Uh, but that's his desire, Amen and I've got a desire that I don't like broccoli, you know, or cooked broccoli, you know, I can eat raw broccoli, but cooked broccoli, you know, they're just, you know, uh, some people think that's wrong, and, 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 um, you know, one one of these days you'll figure out that I'm right, and you'll go on, but, uh, and so, you know, there's just things like that, things that we, things that we just have personal tastes for, things that we just uh, like to do, or like to, uh, uh, you know, some people like to hunt, you know, I'm not a hunter, some people like to watch sports, you know, I can watch sports on occasion, not a not a big draw for me, but sometimes I like to do that. So there's a lot of desires that are just, you know, they're not carnal or fleshly or, or sinful. They're just things that you like to do, things that you're... Uh, that. that uh, and I think that's part of the, the makeup that God made you as a child of God, uh, as a person coming into the earth. He made you to like certain things and just designed you to like those things. And because, you know, I like technical things. I like, you know, I've always liked school and, you know, some people... Just hated school every day, you know, they didn't like the tests and the homework. And, you know, I, I you know, for the most part, I liked all that stuff uh, that, that maybe sounds kind of weird to you. I don't know. But uh, uh, but see, a long time ago, I learned how to just if that's what I like, that's what I like. And if you think that's bad or wrong, that's not really my problem. You know, a lot of times people, uh, especially when I got into the church, uh, that they're in certain circles, there, there is a, a resistance to education. There's a resistance to uh, uh, academics, you know, not just education, but just, you know, if you like to study, you, you know, they kind of look down on you. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, I've been fussed at so many times because I'm a manual reader. Anybody read manuals? You, know, you buy a toy and you get a manual, you know, I'll read the whole thing, you know, read the, you know, now I won't read all the, all the lawyer pages, you know, because like two, three lawyer pages, you know, warning, don't do this and that. But I'll read the whole thing, you know, and and realize, wow, I didn't know that thing could do that. Uh, And some people, you know, well, you should be led by the Holy Ghost. And, you know, sometimes we're so spiritual, we're just not really uh, uh, intelligent. Uh, What's this? What's this printed document that we have right here? It's our manual. Amen. Shouldn't we read this manual to learn how things operate? I love this manual. I'm a manual reader because when I read this manual, See, I read this manual because I want to know how I work. I want to understand how a human being works. If you read that manual, you'll figure out how you work. Uh, you'll get the understanding of how you operate. And if you'll understand that, you'll solve a lot of your problems. See, some people, they, they mix and match. They, don't even, or they kind of mash up spirit, soul, and body. They don't really distinguish between the, uh, the differences of those. And uh, so they can't discern anything. If you'll read the manual, it'll say, hey, there's a distinction between spirit, soul, and body. And you you need to understand the distinction of those things so that when that desire comes, you go, oh, well, that's a desire from the flesh. That is a desire from the spirit. That one is bad. That one is good. Uh, If I follow that, I may enjoy it for a season because the Bible says there's pleasure of sin for a season. But at the end, I'm not going to like it. You know, you ever just, you ever just, just, uh, just fainted in your mind, you ate the whole box of cookies. You know, you enjoy every bite until the last bite. And then, you know, then you're just like a beached whale, right? You're just on the couch. You can't even get up, right? You may have to roll off the couch, you know, to, to, just, to go to the next phase of your life. Uh, you know, you enjoy that in the moment, but you know you're going to pay for it later on. Amen. Uh, and so uh, what, what we can learn to do is to discern the source of the desires, uh, and I've even heard ministers say, well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, uh, if you have a desire, you should be able to do that. And I'm thinking, well, surely you know better than that. You know, you see your neighbor's wife out there, you know, whatever. Well, I, that, you know, I have a desire. Well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, execute that desire, right? Just cast that desire aside. Uh, and that should be a, that's a normal thing, right? Uh, that's just a normal part of life. Uh, you go through the store and, Uh, you know, now in certain, in certain, uh, cities, they've said, well, now, um, uh, if, if, uh, shoplifting is less than $950, we're not going to persecute or prosecute them, right? Or persecute them. Um, uh, and so what's, what people doing now, they just go and think, well, they just go start shopping. Well, that's $800. That's a hundred dollars. That's $50. Okay. That's my limit. You know, and, and they're just going to go do it. Now, see, you wouldn't do it because that would be a wrong desire. But they go and they go. I've got nine hundred fifty dollars of desires. I can execute anytime I want to. Uh, and, and normal people wouldn't do that because that's thievery, right? That's stealing. That's what the devil does. Uh, but see, some people have that desire and they yield to it. Now you know you may go to that same store and go. Well, you know I could get away with it, but you know I'm not going to do that. Uh, and, and so the, uh, it, it's not wrong for you to to walk away from a desire. It's not wrong for you to say I'm not going to fulfill that desire because there's plenty of good desires that we can fulfill that God gives us, that the Word of God has, that God made us. It's not just uh, desires from heaven. There are plenty of things that you can do that's good desires. There's nothing wrong with that. But, we, all, we, but we, we need to discern from the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us the desires that are going to bring warfare to our mind. And that's what Peter said uh, to abstain from, or don't do fleshly desires, which war against the soul. You know, in, 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 uh, uh, in, in high school, they teach in their, in their sex education classes, you know, abstinence, right? Or abstaining uh, from premarital sex. And, of course, the world hates that. Well, that's just, you know, that is so so dumb. You know, you shouldn't do that. And that's just wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly right. Amen? Uh, to abstain from premarital premarital physical relations until after you've made a, a covenant agreement with somebody. Uh, and, you know, the world's like, well, you know, I, I want to try everything out before I before I make a commitment, you know. Uh, <laughs> I suppose that's that's what they want to do. But it's going to be a warfare against your soul. Is that what it says? If it's a fleshly lust, it's going to war, uh, uh, commit war against your soul. And so let's turn back to the uh, book of Luke. So uh, on the way to Luke, I'm going to stop by and read. Uh, a uh, scripture in in Hebrews because it gives us a little insight about what the what the problem is, uh, and so you know, we had read this in the context of sin, but it's not just in sin; uh, it's also in uh, every of your any area of your life. Uh, he said uh, in verse three, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse three: For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So where we faint because of the warfare, we faint in our minds. In other words, we faint. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to resist anymore. I'm just going to yield to this desire. I'm going to do it. And it's it's that moment is when the failure occurs. It's not the fact that there's a desire that comes in your life. You know, a desire that's that's un uh, executed is a desire that that provides no sin in your life you know if you had the desire you go well I'm not doing that well then nothing's wrong there's no wrong in that you know uh, and, and so you know you don't have to, you don't have to uh, repent for, for an unexecuted desire now you know I know Jesus said that that, uh, uh, that if, you, if you lust in your heart against somebody you're still committed adultery uh, that, that's, not, uh, that's not just the desire shows up that's the desire shows up and then you start thinking about it meditating on it planning it and I woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, if you could get away with it, trying to figure out how you can get away with it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, but desire comes and you go, shut up, I'm not doing that. You know, if you deal with it immediately, well then it's not an issue. But if you don't deal with it immediately, and if you let it fester and you let it wander in your mind and let it you know, hang in in your mind, and you start dwelling on that thing and thinking about that thing and planning about how that, how to do that thing, uh, then you know that's when it's an issue, right? So any desire that's wrong, uh, you should deal with it quickly. Amen. Don't let it fester in your mind. Don't let it uh, hang out in your mind. Don't let it stay there in your mind and, and and try to convince you to do that thing because it will eventually. Amen. You will figure out some loophole. Uh, well, you know, God wants me to God wants me to do that. Uh, and it's amazing how many times people will will, will turn God's will around in their life they say well god obviously must be, want me to do that because i wouldn't be thinking about it uh well then there's then there's no such thing as a fleshly desire if that's true but there is there are fleshy desires and so uh he the book of hebrew says that you'll faint in your mind and because that's really the warfare is against your soul right the warfare is against your mind trying to get you to quit uh, and and uh and that's really fainting is, is the essence of quitting in your mind i just can't handle the pressure anymore And that's people say that uh, they can't handle the pressure, but the pressure is only there because you won't deal with it. If you'll deal with it, there's no pressure. The pressure is there because your flesh wants to do it, and your spirit doesn't want to do it, and there's pressure that 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 uh, starts building up until you make a decision. Your your will will not make a decision until it makes a decision. That pressure will continue to grow because your spirit's not going to say no, say it's okay, and your flesh is 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 not going to say, well, you know, I changed my mind. I'm not going to do that. Your flesh still wants to do it. Your spirit still doesn't want to do it. And that pressure will, will increase until you make a decision. Uh, and that's really the failure that Christians get into is they will not deal with it. Uh, and they will allow that pressure to grow and grow and grow until they faint in their minds. Uh, and see, if we understand that, uh, if you'll notice that when a desire comes that's just wrong and you go, I'm not doing that, there's no pressure. You just, you just move on. You walk. You, know, you forget about it the next day, the next hour, the next minute. Uh, it's not even a, a deal. But when you dwell on it and think about it and meditate on it and and plan and strategize and and try to fight, figure out some loophole and some way to get away with it where nobody'll know except for you know of course we always know the Lord knows but you know we're okay with Him knowing as long as nobody on the earth knows and uh, and so uh, that's what then you'll faint in your mind. You will faint when when you allow that pressure to get so big and you refuse to deal with it. Then you just you, you just you just take the default uh, answer and you just. You just go with your flesh. Uh, and, you know, if you would learn to just go with your spirit man, because the spirit man generally is not nearly as loud as your flesh. It's a still small voice. It's a knowledge and a knowing that, hey, that's the right path to go. You just walk that path. Okay, then I'll, I'll do that. But the flesh is loud and brash and, and, and obnoxious and, and vocal and, uh, and uh, unruly until you, until you learn and train yourself To not listen to it. Uh, And so. uh, So uh, let's turn over to the book of Luke now. Did you make it over there already? Surely you're there by now, right? Uh, Luke chapter 18. So there are other areas though that we will faint. Not just in sin. Amen. Sin's a big one. Sin's a a significant issue in the church. Uh, And uh, you know what happens a lot of times. Is once we faint. Then we justify it. Well it's just that's just who I am. That's just. I'm just that kind of person. You know. I have certain needs. That's just, that's just what I've got to do. Uh, and we, we will then suppress our spirit man. And that's what the Bible calls searing your conscience. When you see your conscience, you're, it's the conscience is the voice of the spirit. Uh, and it desires to speak to you, desires to lead you, uh, and to bring revelation to your mind and to your will to let you know the things that you should do. But when you sear it, it it uh, it's still speaking, but you no longer have the ability to hear it as clearly as you should. Uh, and that's what a lot of Christians get to is they've seared their conscience to the point that uh, it still speaks, but they don't have the ability to hear their conscience. They have the ability only to hear their flesh, uh, and so they think, well, my conscience is not bothering me, so I must be okay doing this sin. Well, that's only because you've seared your conscience. Now you can repent and get over it. And the the, the Bible talks about. Uh, the Lord replacing your uh, stony heart with the heart of flesh. That's typically talking about the new spirit, the new birth, but it can also apply to a Christian who's kind of uh, backslid in that area of their life. You know, you don't have to backslid 100% and quit God and everything. You may just backslide in that one area of your life uh, and, and choose to sear your conscience and to faint against that sin. But there are other things here. Uh, it, let's look in uh, Luke chapter 18. Uh, it says in verse 1, it says, "And he spake a parable unto them, to this end that men ought always to pray, and not to faint, or lose heart." Uh, and um, one one says, "To be utterly spiritless, uh, to be wearied out, and to be exhausted." You ever felt that way? To be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, and to be exhausted, uh, or to lose heart. What well, Jesus said: Men ought always to pray and not do that. So we so there's a little bit of our answer right there is well how do we not faint? What do we do? We always pray, right? Uh, and uh, and and then uh, but then he tells a parable here that gives us some good context about what he's talking about because a lot of times when people pray they they pray kind of kind of silly prayers that don't really amount to anything. Uh, it says here in verse two saying so this parable that he's going to teach us here is directly related to. Why you should always pray and not faint. So now when you pray, what's the goal of praying? It's to obtain whatever you're praying for, right? I mean, if you're praying for somebody's healing, then that's the goal, right? If you're praying for, your, for revelation for you about what to do in your life, to know the will of God, well, that's the goal, right? If you're praying for a new job, well, that's the goal. If you're praying for a new car, well, that's the goal, right? There's, there's a goal and intent in praying, amen? Uh, praying should be done uh, with a specific uh, intent, with a specific goal in mind. Not just, well, Lord, just do whatever you want to do. Well, what's that even mean, right? Well, Brother Hagen was praying one time about, uh, Lord, uh, bless so-and-so. And the Lord said, I'm trying to, I've been trying to bless him all along. You know, that's, not, that's already his will. That's what he's already been trying to do. So he needs more help from us. Because our prayers are what allows the Lord to operate in the earth. Uh, he will not operate in the earth unless people pray. Uh, you know that, don't you, right? He, when he said, uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. He assigned the operation of the earth to the church. Uh, and if we're not praying and in, in opening up the door for the authority of the Lord to come into the earth, he's constricting in what he can do. It's our job to go and say, well, Lord, you need to do this. And Lord, you need to do that. We're not bossing around. He said, I've given you the authority. You just let me know what I need to do and I'll be glad to, to back it up. Uh, and that's the, that's the setup right now. He's in heaven. We're on the earth. We're here seeing everything, doing everything on the earth. And it's our job to pray. And all the way back to uh, Charles, Charles Wesley uh, or John Wesley, he was praying and, and, and he says, uh, John Wesley said, it seems that God is limited uh, on the earth, that he will only do uh, on the earth what men pray for. Uh, and then uh, E.W. Kenyon picked that up, you know, hundreds of years later. And he said the same thing, that it seemed that God is limited uh, by a man's prayers, that he can only do uh, on the earth uh, what men pray for. And then he added that the phrase, why this is so, we don't know. Uh, and then, of course, then Brother Hagen picked it up, and he, and he heard that question, why this is so, we don't know. Uh, and, and he said, and this is a great, this is what a person of faith says, well, if it's so, we ought to know. If it's so that God is limited to a man's prayers, we ought to know why. We ought to know why, because that's the understanding, right? That's, we need to have understanding. That's part of the value of reading a manual is to find out, well, why is that? Why is God limited to a man's prayers? Why is God limited by a man's prayers? Why, why, why isn't God just fixing everything right now? Why isn't he getting rid of the, the epidemics and the pandemics and the social unrest and the economic unrest? And why isn't he, why isn't he doing these things? People say he's in control, but if he was in control, you know, if, if God was really in control and you were the boss of God, you would fire him. You're like, but you're not doing anything. Yeah, but I'm in control. You know, you go tell somebody to go clean up that room over there and you come back and the room's still a disaster. Well, what did you do? Well, I'm in control. Yeah, but what have you done? Well, I haven't done nothing, but I'm in control. Well, well you're fired because I wanted you to get it done. Well, you know, you know that's, that's, that's a big job. But you know, I bet I'm, I'm in charge though, right? Uh, God is doing a terrible job if he's really in charge. uh, But he's not in charge. He's in charge of men's lives where they allow him to be. But how many men allow the Lord to be in charge? No, so why is that so? Well, it goes, uh, I mean, that's not really the topic of our our discussion today. But it's basically, the essence of it is because the authority in the earth is the church. And we are the ones who are supposed to be going out implementing God's will in the earth. He backs us. But uh, it's us should be executing his will in the earth, praying for the sick, praying for the lost, you know, advancing the, the kingdom of heaven throughout all the earth. We are the ones who are doing that. And so he's not going to just, he told us, didn't he tell us to do that? Go into all the world to preach the gospel? Well, you know, is he going to go over to heaven and go, you know, they, they ain't preaching enough? So just send the angels down. Is he going to override his, what he said already? He's not going to say, well, you know, sorry, you're not doing your job. I'm going to go to plan B. He already, he already set it up that way. He already set up. For the church to be the authority in the earth, so that's why God is limited by the prayers of men, because we're supposed to be going out and saying, "Well, this the the kingdom of heaven needs to go into this area and do this thing and heal these people and and and, and raise the dead or or get people saved." And then we go in and then we pray and then God's spirit and power comes in behind us and executes what we prayed for. Uh, 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 Charles Finney, uh, it was Charles Finney, right? Uh, that uh, the, the the great evangelist, right? Was it Finney? Was it his last name was Finney? What was his first name? Was it Charles? No, it was Finney. It was Charles Finney? Okay, I was thinking it's Charles, but uh, there's we talked about uh, Charles Wesley. So maybe every name, everybody's name, Cha- John Wesley and Charles Wesley. Maybe every name Charles. I don't know. But anyway, Charles Finney, he would go into a, a city. Uh, uh, he would plan on having an evangelistic meeting there, but he would go in the city a week before. Uh, and he had, a, he had, a, he had a, a fellow by the name of Daniel Nash. They called him Father Nash. Uh, and, and they knew how to pray. They would go into a city uh, uh, seven days before the, the meeting would start, and they would just pray and intercede for that city and spend time in prayer for that city. And, and, then, uh, and then Charles Finney would come in, and, and they would shut the whole city down. Not out of respect, but because they had no business. You know, All the bars would close down, not because they cared about Charles Finney, but because nobody's showing up. Uh, the theaters would close down, not because they cared that Charles Finney had showed up, but because nobody was going to the theaters. So uh, everybody was going to these services, but it was because that they were doing their job of executing the authority in the earth to allow the Lord to do his job. Amen? So the Lord it was limited by the prayers of Charles Finney and, and uh, Daniel Nash, uh, and would come in and provide the power uh, behind their preaching. Uh, and so... So Jesus said uh, here that men ought always to pray and faint not. Uh, And he said, there was in a city, uh, in verse 2, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Uh, And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So the Lord doesn't want us to to weary, but he wants us to wear down the enemy, right? And and that's part of the context of this, but that's not the the overall plan of this particular uh, parable. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And what did he say? He said, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. So uh, this started out with Jesus saying men ought always to pray and not to faint. Well, what's the context of, of us fainting here? Us fainting is when we're praying for something uh, and uh, we're waiting on that prayer to be answered uh, and we're in faith and hope every day until we just faint in our minds and go, I guess God decided not to answer that prayer. And what did we do? We fainted, didn't we? He said, men ought always to pray and faint not. But sometimes when we're waiting on the, on the answer to our prayers, have you ever fainted? You ever started in prayer? Well, I'm going to pray every day for this thing until it comes to pass. It doesn't matter how long it, it takes. I'm going to pray for this thing. And, and after three days, they go, oh, this is taking forever. Right? And you just faint in your mind. You quit praying about it. You know, uh, well, Lord, I prayed for it twice and it didn't happen. What did Jesus say? Men ought always to what? Pray and faint not. Uh, and what was the example that he gave, gave us about this widow woman, right? Uh, and, and he said... Uh, uh, that uh, she said, avenge me of mine enemy. Uh, and he said, uh, because this woman troubleth me, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. So she was not willing to faint, was she? She wasn't willing to quit, was she? She wasn't willing to go, you know, I've, I went to the judge and he said, uh, that's, uh, I'm not going to get the answer. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations and somebody says, you can't have that. And they like, well, that's the wrong answer. I know I'm supposed to have that. That's the wrong answer. And I go back until the answer arrives. And, and I deal with that with people sometimes. I try to help them. And they go, you know, I don't want to follow God. Well, that's the wrong answer. I'm going to keep bothering you until you follow God. You know, and, uh, and if you walk away from me, I'm going to keep praying for you until you follow God. I'm not going to faint. Uh, and, and I tell some people sometimes, you know, I'm just going to have to live forever until you straighten up. Amen. Because I'm not going to faint. See, if I die, then I've, I've ended my ability to pray, right? So I'm going to have to live forever until you straighten up. Uh, and then, you know, if then if it's at my time to go after that, then maybe, but I'm not going to faint. Uh, and so uh, in praying for things, you know, there, there's always two aspects to to prayer that we've got to understand. And, and I mean, there's a lot to prayer. Of course, we've been teaching on prayer on Wednesday nights. But there's two primary things in this case that he's talking about where you're where you have an objective to pray and you're and you're trying to reach that objective. In this case, he was needing uh, to be avenged of whatever slight that had occurred in her life. Uh, with this judge, so she's trying to get this judge to move on her behalf. So that's her goal for the judge to move on her behalf, right? And and to judge, uh, 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 and give her the, the judgment that she desires. Uh, and so the first time she went, she didn't get the right answer. Uh, and, and so did she quit? She didn't quit. What she do? She went back the next day until, uh, and she kept going back every day until she got the answer that that she knew she needed. So. So the two aspects of, of the will of God in prayer that you need to understand is the thing that you're doing or asking for is the will of God, right? And, and hopefully we are praying the will of God. And, you know, most of the time it's pretty easy to know what the will of God is. Does it line up with the word of God? Does it violate any principles of the word of God? If it doesn't, well, then you're, you generally speaking, you're okay. Amen. And you could do some things, you know, that, that might be on the, in the gray area and you might need some assistance to know if that's the will of God. But for the most part, the church knows when they're praying whether it's the will of God or not. Uh, so that's, that's the first part of it is, is it God's will that you get that thing? But the second part is, what's the timing on God's part? Uh, and, and so that's really, the, that's really the variable. That's the only variable that we have in prayer is, is it uh, the time for God to answer that prayer? Sometimes people think that there's two variables. God, if it's your will, let me have this thing. And whenever you want to have it, then then that's when you will have it. So they don't even know if it's God's will. So they're just praying. But uh, that's not how we pray. Amen. And we're we're not going to go through everything about this because we've talked about this topic many times. But turn over to 1 John chapter 5. In 1 John chapter 5, I know we know this verse. But it says uh, in verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, what's those next words? According to his will. According to his will. So you don't need to bother in asking for God, hey, do this thing if it's your will. Because uh, you should know that prior to you asking. Now, if, if you're sick, is it God's will to heal you? Well, then you don't need to ask, is it God's will to heal you? You should know. It's a, there's a, a, a hundred of scriptures, I'm going to say a thousand, but there's not a thousand, but there's hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that says that God's will for you to be healed. Uh, and so if you ask anything according to his will, he does what? He hears this. So it implies that if you ask anything that's not his will, does he even hear you? Well, I never said no, I never heard it. You know, if, if someone asks you something that you didn't hear, Uh, well, you know, he said no. Well, I didn't say no. I never heard you ask me the question. So how could I say no if I never heard you ask a question? So he says here that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And we know that if, uh, and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So uh, is there, uh, is there the proverbial sometimes God answers yes, sometimes God answers no, sometimes he says maybe or, you know, maybe later or whatever. No, it's always yes. What's the answer when you ask something in God's will? Always yes. Is it never no? Is it ever no? no. If it's never no, that's too negative. So, so it's it's that's it, it is never no, but we're not. That's too confusing, right? It, it it's it's uh, it's it's never no, right? That's too that's still right, right? Yeah, that's not right. So it's never no. So it's always yes. So uh, so then we can be like the woman there in Luke eighteen and go, uh, lest I be wearied, I'm going to give her her the things that she asks. Now, God's not going to get wearied uh, about things, but there have been times when, when people ask for things, uh, and it wasn't right, and he still yielded to it. Uh, we, do we know one of the best examples in the Old Testament? King of, king of Israel, right? They kept asking for a king, and the Lord's like, I'm your king. You don't need a king, I'm your king. Well, we want a king. And finally, what did he do? He became a king, right? So you can even, even get things that you know, you ought not get. So I'd encourage you to find out what the will of God is first, amen, uh, before you go ask for things. Uh, and so, uh, but as far as how we're supposed to operate, if we're, if we're praying in the will of God, then uh, the answer is always yes, always yes. So the only variable is how long is it going to take for God to answer that prayer? that timing is always on his part. He's got a perfect plan of when the best time to answer that prayer is. And so you've got to you've got to stay persistent uh in your prayer and not faint. And and so that's the whole key there. Uh because uh let's turn over to uh 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because this verse is uh I think it's a great verse. We know with this we know this verse well. Uh but in verse 20 it says for all the promises of god are in him yea, or him yes and in him amen unto the glory of god by us do y'all like that amen song we sang this morning amen, amen means so be it right uh and so uh, I, I asked chris i said oh isn't there a song that they sing that's got the word amen and she said yeah i said what's the name of it she said it's amen uh and so um so there you go but all the promises of god are in him yes so if you find any promise of God and you ask the question, does this promise belong to me? What's the answer? The answer is always yes, right? Every promise of God is yes. There are not some promises that are no. For you, you know, I'm not, I can't do that for you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says every promise to God in him, yes, in him, amen. But the, the end of it is the key part is unto the glory of God by what? By us. So, so who gets glory when we receive answers to our prayer? God does, right? Unto the glory of God by us. When we receive the end of the promise, the blessing of the promise in our lives, God gets the glory. Look what God has done in my life. That's how God gets glory. But a lot of times people, well, God's getting glory in my sickness, or God's getting glory in my disease, or God's getting glory in my calamity. That's not how God gets glory. God gets glory when he shows how big he is. How good he is! How wonderful he is! By answering our prayers, God's not getting glory by death and destruction out there. That's the glory of the devil. Uh, the devil gets glory by by bringing death and destruction to people's lives. So, so Jesus said, uh, and, and you know this particular verse uh, back in Luke eighteen one, uh, that men ought always to pray and, and not to faint or lose heart. This is, this verse has just been going over and over and over in my heart for the last several months. Just, I, I don't know what it, you know, sometimes the verses just just become really important in your life in, in times and seasons. And this verse that meant always to pray and not to faint. Uh, because so many times we will pray for something for a season or a time and then we'll just quit. Well, I, I guess God's not going to answer my prayer. And it could have been the very next day that he was planning on it. And if we'd stayed in faith one more day, we would have got it. One more day, you, you, you would have gotten it. Um, and so uh, don't quit. Don't quit your praying. Don't quit. If you, if you know in your heart that it's God's desire for you to have that. Uh, and somebody's told you no a thousand times, uh, then what do you do? You keep praying. Amen. You don't faint. Uh, but the key is, number one, is it God's will? And you don't determine, you don't say dumb things like, oh, I guess it wasn't God's will that I got it because I went and they told me no. Uh, and I, uh, people have said something to, uh, to me plenty of times and I look at them and say, that's the wrong answer. Uh, that's not the answer I came to get. I came to get a yes. I didn't come, a, I, I didn't come to get a no. That's the wrong answer. Uh, and so uh, then, then I'll go back uh, and continue to pray because once I know it's the will of God, I'm not going to dog in a bone. I'm not going to give it up until I receive the end of that faith. Amen. Uh, and, and so uh, notice it says in verse 4, and he would not for a while. So there is time, sometimes, it's not always that every prayer you pray has got to take 20 years to, to arrive. Amen. But in this case, whatever the prayer that she was needing here, uh, she was needing to be avenged of whatever the situation uh, against her, her adversary Uh, but he said for a while that he would not. Now, the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And I think it's a little unusual that God would use an unjust judge uh, to show how he operates. But he was showing it that if he's unjust and he still yielded to the woman to, to give her the things she claimed, how much better will he do? Because is he unjust? Now, he's very just God, isn't he? So... If even the unjust judge will yield to somebody who's persistent and faints not, how much more will the Lord yield to us if we stay persistent and we faint not? That's really the, the, uh, uh, the comparison that he's making there to us or making there for us. So you know, I just wanted to encourage you uh, about those two things. Number one, uh, is it the will of God for you to have that thing? And number two, what's the timing of God for you to have that thing? Uh, And and those are really two key things, because if you get past step one and determine the will of God, then you stay with it until you until the the end of it. Amen. Uh, And, you know, there were there was a time uh, there. You know, there are some things that you've got to stay with it in prayer uh, that you've got to stay persistent uh, all the way to the end. Uh, And and in dealing with, you know, uh, there many years ago, I was dealing with a lot of mental torment, mental anguish and, and some conflict with some people. And, you know, I didn't know how to resolve it. I didn't know how to fix it. And, I, you know, I did everything that I knew to do, which is, you know, talk to the people and, and try to get them to, you know, uh, stop being mad at me. And, you know, well, how can we resolve this, right? And, uh, and, of course, sometimes there are spirits that get involved in those things. You know, if you're dealing with people that are yielding to evil spirits, you, know, you can't rationalize with them. You can't negotiate with them. It's like negotiating with terrorists. You know, you can't negotiate with terrorists uh, and so you, you, there are other ways to resolve it. But but, you know, I, I try to be a likable fella, try to be a, a nice person. And and, and uh, you know, these are church people I'm dealing with, you know, so you think you ought to be able to come to to consensus to, hey, that's all walk in love. Uh, but, you know, that's not always the case. You ever notice that people even in the church sometimes can be obstinate and stubborn and, and, uh, and unkind. And you know, that's not that, that's a rare. I mean, it, it, I, I think most people in church are pretty good people. But on occasion, you get dealing with people like that. And I was just really under some pressure about it, just to the point that it was just consuming my life. And finally, the Lord gave me the answer. He said, go back to the word of God. And that's all he told me. So sometimes he'll He'll spell it out, you know, do this, this, and that. But for me, he said, you go back to the word of God, go back to the word, because he said that because from the time that I was in high school, you know, I got born again when I was 15 years old, and I started reading the Word of God when I was 15. And and I knew just, you know, I, I had never read the Bible, didn't know anything about the Bible, but I knew inherently that in these pages are all the answers to my life. Uh, and and so I set about seeking answers for my life, to find the answers that I need to be a, a, a stable person because you know, you grow up a pack of wolves, you know, you kind of get, you know, things get kind of out of whack, you know, and you think about, you know, I used to go to, when I was in sixth grade, I, you know, that was when I was 12 years old, you know, during my crime spree when I was 12 years old, I'd go and steal like a pack of bubble gum and, and thought, well, you know, so my thinking was, well, if I get away with it, that's their fault. See, because that's how you justify thievery, right? If I get away with it, then it's their fault, right? Because they should have caught me, they didn't catch me, so it's entirely their fault that I'm stealing this, right? Does that make sense? That's really dumb, Right. Uh, but, you know, you've got to get that mind renewed because it's just wrong. Stealing is wrong whether they get away with it or not. Amen. Despite what they say about $950, about uh, we're not going to perse- prosecute you there. Uh, and so, uh, so but, but beginning as a high school student, I started reading the Word of God and finding answers to life, finding answers about how to live a life that your mind can be stable and your, your emotions can be in check and that your spirit can be free to follow God's will. Uh, and you read the Word of God, and the more you read the Word of God, the more answers you find like that and he said, "Go back to the word, and so I just started reading the word and and I just was kind of led to start in the book of Matthew and I got to the Beatitudes in, in in Matthew chapter five, and he said uh, uh, in verse eight that the pure in heart shall see God and when I read the verse, I knew okay that's the answer that i'm glad it wasn't in revelation twenty two right It' taken long, a little bit longer to get the book of revelation you know i 'm glad it was in Matthew chapter five, you know if it had been you know, if it had been, you know, in Jude or somewhere, well, I would have got there eventually, but not as quickly as I would hoped, right? So, uh, but I got to Matthew chapter five. It said, "The pure in heart shall see God." And I could, so that's my answer. My because my problem was my heart wasn't right. Now it wasn't it wasn't that I was I, I was in sin. It was just that I'd been hurt and been uh, had unforgiveness, but and anger and and some bitterness there. But it wasn't like I was this horrible person. It just you know, the, the conflict with these people were just was just overwhelming in, in my mind. I didn't know how to resolve it. And, you know, so you, you try to resolve it with your emotions and with what you know. And uh, But he said the issue is, now, now here's the problem. I, I didn't start these conflicts. You know, I, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong, but all these people were bringing conflicts into my life and, and I didn't, hadn't trained myself in how to deal with these conflicts. Uh, and so I became this victim of these conflicts, but I was still, but my heart was not right doesn't matter who started it. My heart was still not right, which seems kind of unfair. Well, they're the ones who started it. Well, they did. But still, my heart was wrong. You know, you cannot be the one who initiates sin and still get wrong. Amen. You hold unforgiveness in your heart. doesn't matter who started it. You're still wrong. Uh, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter because unforgiveness is still wrong. Uh, bitterness is still wrong. Anger is still wrong. Uh, it doesn't matter. You can't excuse it away. Well, they started it. Is that going to fly with the Lord? Never flies with the Lord? So he, he told me, your heart's wrong. Now, you know, he'll deal with them over there too, right? And, and really, the, the best place that you can be, and I learned this from reading Psalm 18, the best place you can be is to always be innocent. And if you're always innocent, it doesn't matter what people bring, you're going to be okay. Amen? Uh, and so a lot of times, you know, people bring evil into your life and you respond evil with evil. Well, are you any better than them? You know, I mean, you're not any better than them. I mean, you didn't start it, but you're still uh, not uh, operating the way you should. Uh, and, and it wasn't that, you know, I intentionally was in unforgiveness. You know, things happen, right? Life happens and you try to resolve th- conflicts and they don't resolve the way you want them to. And, and then, then, then it became all-consuming in my mind and heart, just all-consuming. I, I Trying to resolve it, couldn't figure it out. But he said, the pure heart shall see God. And when, he, when, he's, when, when I read that verse, I knew that's my answer. Now, I didn't know how to get from here to there, but I knew that was my answer. So I, I, I made a commitment to the Lord, and, and just something that you know, I knew in my heart to be true. I said, Lord, I don't know how long it's going to take to get this resolved in my life, but I'm going to stay with it until I get it resolved. So that, that's, and so what I would do is I'd get up every morning, just, just part of my morning routine. I'd get up every morning, Lord, I have a pure heart. Lord, I have a pure heart. Now, I didn't have a pure heart the moment I prayed that, the first time I prayed it. I didn't have a pure heart the second time I prayed it. And, when, and a pure heart's not a heart that's just perfectly without sin. A pure heart is just one that's aligned with the Lord. It's not that you never make a mistake again, but, but your desire is to follow God and get rid of all that junk out of your life. Uh, and so, I'd get up every day, Lord, I have a pure heart. Lord, I have a pure heart. But see, see I didn't know how long it would take. But I already committed before I started... I'm going to stay stay doing this until it comes to pass. I'm not going to just try it once and go, well, it just, it's just not working. Because what's the point of starting if you're going to quit halfway through? Amen. So I'd get every day, Lord, I've got a pure heart. In the midst of all the turmoil nobody changed, everybody was still being unkind and rude and, and disrespectful to me and lying on me, trying to destroy my character and tell people I'm a liar and a cheat and a thief. And I mean, just... I mean, you'd be amazed at the things that were said against me in church, right? In public, right? One person stood up one time and said, Chip Bodeau gave me bad financial advice, you know, misled me with bad financial advice, which is not true because I never gave them any advice. And, and so they thought that, that was bad advice i not give them, you know, uh, well, I actually tried to give them some advice, but they didn't really want to hear anything. So uh, uh, I guess advice is, uh, advice that is exactly what only you want to hear. How is that any advice at all? You already knew that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, uh, every day, lord i 've got a pure heart every day. Uh, and now this took months. I did this for months, uh, but about six months in, you know sometimes these things get resolved, and, and uh, but I remember waking up one morning, and, and usually, during that season of my life, when I 'd wake up, my entire thought life was completely flooded with those thoughts. You know why are they doing this? You know When are they going to stop? It's so unfair. I hadn't done anything, you know. My goal is just to be a good fella and mind my own business and not stir up anything. Why? Why do they? Keep, why me? Uh, every day, you know, and those, over and over again. Lord, how do I resolve it? How do I fix it? You know, I thought it was done, but they came back again, did some more things, you know, and uh, uh, over and over every day. Uh, and but one day I woke up after about six months, and I just woke up and just go, "What? Well, looks like a good day." Uh, and all those thoughts got resolved, taken care of. Now, they didn't change. The people that were doing those things didn't change a lick. They were still the exact same people, exact same, saying the exact same things, doing the exact same things. But my, in my heart, once I got to that state where it's a pure heart between me and the Lord, once He and I were good, then, uh, then it just kept on growing in my life where they could say whatever they wanted to say and be like, whatever. You know, say unkind things, still accuse me of things, be like, I'm good. Uh, but. I only got there because of Luke 18, that men ought always to pray and faint not. See, I didn't know how long it was going to take. Why did it take six months? Why didn't it take five months? Why didn't it take three weeks? I don't know. But sometimes there are some things you have to stick with until the very end, until you get the end of your faith. Uh, And see, if you're not willing to do that, then don't even start because you don't know the timing of God. And why why did it take that long to resolve that? You know, I don't know. And to me, it doesn't matter because... Uh, when I started out on that journey, I, Lord, this is going to work. Uh, because he He directed me there. He said, your answer is in the word of God. Your answer is in Matthew 5, 8. That's your answer. So he didn't He didn't put a timeline on that answer, but he said, that's your answer. Well, then that's my answer. Then that's my answer. And there are things the Lord spoken to me, spoken to Chris, he, uh, Bible verses. This is your answer. And we've not seen them come to pass, but it doesn't matter. We're going to get them. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, because we're going to, Always to pray and faint not. We're not going to quit. Amen. And, and so you should make that same commitment whenever you start to pray for something. Lord, I'm going to pray this until I receive the answer. I'm not going to try it and see if it works. You've already fainted. That's not the, to say those words. I'm going to try and see if it works. You've already quit. So don't even bother. It's a waste of time. No, you say, Lord, I'm going to do this until the end. Until uh, the until uh, you're at least as good as the unjust judge. Surely you're better than the unjust judge. The Lord said, I'm at least as good as the unjust judge, but is he actually better than him? He is. He will answer our prayers. Amen. Uh, and if an unjust judge will answer, answer the prayers of a woman, surely the Lord will answer our prayers. Amen. So uh, let's always pray. And don't ever faint. Don't ever get uh, utterly spiritless. Be wearied out, exhausted, and, and uh uh, the last one there, what did he say there? Um, to lose heart. That's the one last one I want to read. Read. Don't lose heart. Amen. Amen? And you will see the answer to your prayers and all be we well. And then the Lord will get the glory for it. Amen? Amen. Uh, so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you that we have the capacity to pray, Father. Amen. And, Lord, we choose as an act of our will to pray and faint not, to pray until the end, Father. To pray until we receive the answers to our prayers and our petitions and our requests. We will see it, Father, and you will get all the glory for it. Father, we will always pray and faint not. We will not lose heart, not become spiritless, Father, not be wearied. Uh, and, Father, we will not be exhausted in our prayers. We will pray uh, until we receive the ends of our prayer. And, Father, all will be well. And and you, Father, will obtain glory by us receiving the promises of the, of the word of God. And so we thank you for those things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. You know, he's good to answer our prayers, isn't he? Amen. So, uh, and look, if you fainted yesterday because of a prayer uh, and you quit doing it, uh, just move on. Amen. Can't change it. Uh, if you need to, pick it back up. Uh, and pray again, right? Sometimes there's things that, that you can pick up, right? Sometimes it, the the bus has left the station, it's too late, but uh, but there are plenty of things that we probably have, have laid aside and stopped praying that uh, if we go back and ask the Lord, uh, yeah, He's still I'm waiting on you to, to finish the praying, you know. Um, pick it back up, amen, and don't faint. And so uh, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings and appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving, amen. Um, and... Uh, I think we had mentioned that uh, uh, we were wanting to do some up- updates here in the sanctuary. You know, we've updated basically everything else in the building except for the sanctuary, which is where we spend the most time at. But it's also the, kind of the most complicated, right? Because you got stuff, right? And so, uh, so we've we've been talking to the uh, uh, the contractor about doing that, and uh, we've got some folks who are going to help us do some design work, and we want to make it look really nice and and um, uh, because, I mean, we could sleep the way it is if, if we're not going to make it look really nice, right? Because it doesn't look terrible. But, um, but we just want to let you know about that. And, and as we get more information about some designs or, or stuff, we'll let you know, see, see that. And we don't even know what the budget is for it yet. We've got to find out, uh, you know, we're going to have like gold-plated, you know, anything here. That's that's for the temple in Jerusalem, right? Uh, and so we'll, we'll have other things besides gold-plated walls and ceilings, you know. Uh, and so... Uh, because we're gold amen so we don't need to make to put gold on the walls. so come ahead mr jared receive the offering and don't forget in the back uh in the kitchen there's uh some vegetables uh let's see oh tomatoes are fruit so there's fruits and vegetables right uh and um, help yourself to those uh things there and don't forget the the yard sale uh is uh saturday but if you've got things that you want to bring you know let us know uh of course we're going to be here during regular church times but uh uh, let us know, and, and we can help you get it unloaded, and uh, and uh, bring some nice stuff that people can use and be a blessing to them. Uh, and um, it's really just an outreach to the community, and and um, uh, it'll help a lot of people there too. Uh, and it's always good to give, amen. It never hurts to give; it's always good to give. So be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord. Don't forget healing school at three o'clock, and you're dismissed.